Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. It's just so good to be together, isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm loving seeing your faces, and thank you everybody for um, bearing with us last week when we did the, the circuit breaker, when we closed down the property, and um, so uh, we, we just wanted to make sure that we were uh, looking after everyone and everyone's best interests, and uh, for your sakes, I, I suffered... So one of the most unusual experiences of my life, when on Thursday the doctor put something about this long and examined the back of my head, but he started at the front. There was a faint echo when he hit the back. He said, there's nothing there. Normally I'm a very positive person, you know this, but this is the one time I was negative. So, <laughs> so we're, we're all okay, we're COVID negative, yeah. I, um, you know, when you contend for things, you, you, you sometimes... Not sometimes, most times, when you contend for something, you've actually got to push through some stuff. And sometimes the exact opposite of what you're contending for then begins to happen. I don't know if any of you were paying attention on the, the family meeting that we had. It said, hey, how about we contend for a COVID-free zone? That was Wednesday, Friday. Handbrake. Let's, let's just have a, a break of meeting on the property. It's kind of like, you know how hard it was for me to make that call. It was the right call, but it was a hard call. Yeah. Because sometimes the enemy wants to, to make a mockery of what we're going after. Yeah? Tries to throw things in, in, in our face. So, we can either just, you know, throw our hands in the air and kind of like, well, What's the use? And we can, you know, give in. Weak at the knees. We can buckle. We can just, ah, cave in. Or we can say, you know what? I'm going to rise. That Micah 7 verse 8. Even if there's something that comes against me, knocks me down, well, it's okay. Come on, let's go again. Mm -hmm. All right. So I too changed my message early this morning. It was very dark and it was very cold. And the sun was a little slow in getting up this morning. But a song came to me from the 1980s. And it was just so strong inside of me. 
the Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. And at first, I was just thinking, well, you know, great encouraging song. Until I realized, actually, the Holy Spirit wanted to encourage all of us this morning. Not just John, because it was cold and dark very early this morning. But for so many of us, we've been going through some really, really tough, challenging times. It has been challenging. For some, currently, it is challenging. And I'm, I'm not being prophetic, I'm just guessing now. It's going to be challenging in the future. There are things in this world that don't work out the way we'd like them to work out. And there are things that are disappointing for us. Things we have to push through. And it's as those times that we could be tempted to think, you know what? The devil's winning. God's actually not able to carry us through. But the truth is that God is able. In fact, we were actually praying prayers to God. We just added tunes to it this morning. Part of our worship, it's, it's, it's prayers. We were praying things. We were making declarations. We were bringing ourselves into alignment with the truth, how God has revealed himself and what he's doing, that he's good. You are good. And we were singing these things and we were bringing ourselves into alignment with the truth that God is good. And we bump into situations that want to say the opposite all the time. It's grabbing hold of our attention and it's making us stop and to think, is it true or isn't it? Do I believe God or do I believe the circumstance? Where am I going in all of this? So, I'm going to give you the three points of the sermon. Then if you've had enough, you can go home. Otherwise, I'll give the expanded version thereafter. How's that? The first point is God is good. The second point is God is big. And the third point is God wins. It's a very, very good sermon right there. All right, let's expand it just a fraction. Okay. Really good theology. Bible school. First year. You're going to get this. All right. God is good. Devil is bad. 
Wow, that's deep. <laughs> Too many Christians don't get that. They begin to put onto God things that the enemy is doing. So when there's heartache and there's devastation and there's tragedy that the enemy is stirring up, because Jesus said, he's the thief, he comes to steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. It's kind of like, that is who he is. He's the father of lies. He's the deceiver. He's full of pride and arrogance, all these wicked things. He is anti God, devil, bad. God is good. In him, no darkness at all. So why do we want to ascribe to God things that are bad? I'm not even talking about people who are unbelievers. I'm talking about believers don't get this thing. We've got to get this thing settled in our hearts. That our response when we bump into difficult situations is to recognize the correct fingerprints on things. Are these God's fingerprints? Or are these the devil's fingerprints? Because the devil's roaming around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He's busy doing some underhanded stuff, right? And because he's the deceiver, he does things in an underhanded way and then he puts out fake news posts and he says, by the way, it was God who did this. And it goes viral. How could God allow this? How could God let this? It's kind of like, hang on, wait a minute. There's a bad lad who's been busy. Some of you may remember a couple of years ago, we had a beautiful year in the book of Colossians. Yeah? Look, we can do a do-over if you like. <laughs> One of the things that we, we looked at, we, we wrestled with together, is, is God in control or is God in charge? Because they, they're different things. Because when we say God is in control... There are certain implications to that statement. Does God control your life? Or does he say to you, my son, my daughter, here is life. Here is resource. Here is gifting. Here is anointing. Here are all these good things. Now, Occupy until I come. Do business until I come. Take what you've been given, put it to work. Or does he control you like you're a robot 
and he forces you to do everything. Okay, this is not a hard question I'm asking you. Okay. Of course, he doesn't control you. He doesn't control us. Gives us free will. So if there's a whole lot of free will happening, some people are going to use their free will for good decisions, and some people are going to use their free will for bad decisions. And I'm not even talking about unbelievers. Because we're all working through stuff in our lives. We're trying to be the person that God called us to be. The righteous one. No longer selfish. And I'm so glad I'm looking at a room of people who've absolutely triumphed in in that 365 days in the year. Hmm. Okay. So we understand that there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on in the world and we can't blame it on God. But he reigns. Means he's in charge. He's watching over things. Got got some good news is that even though the devil is bad and he's doing a bunch of bad things, the next point is God is big. Devil? Not so big. God created. Whatever he created is smaller in power, authority, status, all of these different things, smaller, limited. Yeah? Remember, God is the the creator, the giver, and the sustainer of life. In order to receive life, there's a connection to God. But the enemy cut himself off from connection to God. He is diminishing. The devil's not getting bigger. The devil's getting smaller. Unfortunately, a number of people who are believers... Don't recognize how big God is. And in some strange way, begin to magnify. Get a magnifying glass? Some of us, we get to a certain age, we have portable magnifying glasses. And we look at the words on the page and all of a sudden the words get bigger. A lot of people use some kind of a filter, a magnifying glass system when they look at the devil and they enlarge him as though he was bigger than he actually is. Let's not be part of that. God is big. The devil's small. He's so small in fact that God will crush Satan under his feet. 
It's got to be small enough to fit under God's feet. God's way, way bigger. Hmm? And then the last point. God wins. Okay, who do you think's losing? Okay, thank you. Devil's losing. And finally, he will lose completely. That's my end times theology there in a, in a nutshell. Saved you two days. God's going to win. All right. And it's never been in doubt. The outcome has never been in doubt. We haven't even got to the end of the outcome because we're in time, chronos. But God is bigger than this dimension of time. He created this dimension, time. So he's bigger, he's outside of time. He doesn't have to wait until all the chronos of time plays out before he knows how it will end. He's outside of it and he can look. He's the alpha and the omega. It's with the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. So he looks at all of this because he's bigger not stuck, trapped in this dimension of Kronos. And he can come and intervene at certain times, certain Kairos times, where God breaks into the timeline of humanity. But from God's vantage point, he looks at the beginning, he looks at the end, sits on his throne, Psalm 2 says he laughs at what the enemy is doing. He scoffs and he laughs. God's not panicking. Hmm? Some of us are looking at, you know, BC and now, and we're wondering what's going on, you know, before COVID and. We're wondering, you know, what the normal will be. And we get, we get so, so fussed by, by things, but they small little dots on the timeline. And it doesn't cause God to fall off his throne. He's big and he reigns. Okay. Now let's go a little bit deeper, more expanded. Only three people have left, so we're good. <laughs> Didn't check how many people had signed off the, off the stream. You like movies? Come on, every movie is like this. There is a situation... And it's looking bad. There's an insignificant person. And the story zooms in on an insignificant person who is unsure of themselves and feels that they are unqualified. 
And then the scene changes and there is this evil person with intentions to rule the world. <laughs> Little insignificant person gets squashed by some or other interaction because of what wicked evil person has done. Along comes girlfriend. You can do it. Boy, I don't know that I can. Girl, I believe in you. Little boy has had enough of tyranny. Fights back. Small little ambush in the back of beyond. Claims a small little victory. And the Wookiees are going crazy. enemy increases plans for world domination, reign of terror, Scarface, everything's dark, burnt, destroyed, where's Simba? Ultimately, the movie comes to this climactic battle where the forces of evil seem to be rallying and getting bigger and stronger. And little boy, little girl are out of ammunition. They're out of friends. They're surrounded all seems lost. And somehow, out of nowhere, an idea, an ingenious thing, a, a, a small little flaw is exploited and the Death Star blows up. <laughs> or something like that. A virus is injected into the alien mainframe. You, you get the story. And the unlikely little guy becomes the hero. And the big wicked enemy who was wanting to rule the world is defeated. And we all live happily ever after. <laughs> Come on. That's pretty much every book, every film. Where's that narrative from? 
Can you recognize that theme through the scriptures? Gideon, little boy, threshing wheat in a wine press. That's a bit unusual. Gets a small little victory. In the middle of the night, he topples over a couple of idols and breaks down an altar. Small little victory. The enemy hears about it. Going, What's going on here? Dad comes to the rescue. He says, listen, man, if that was a true God, let that true God take care of its own altar. Leave my boy alone. Then the army marches. They're like the grains of sand on the seashore. They're covering everything like locusts. It's the Midianites. They've come. And little Gideon tries to rally the troops. People come from all over the universe. They rally together. 32,000 and God says too many. Let those who are afraid, let them go. So in the dead of night, they slink off into the shadows. We lose about 10,000. And God says, still too many. Let's go for a drink, boys. Many things, okay, no. 300, they managed to drink properly. And God says, right. What's God showing? Saying whether by many or by few, I'll get the victory. What's God showing? He's showing that his power is so much greater than the enemy. Even if the odds seem overwhelming, even if it looks like the devil is winning, even if it looks like Christianity is shrinking and failing and losing, even if the media wants to promote a message to you that would say to you through intimidation, it's all over. There is no hope. You might as well give up. Because isn't that always the crux of the battle? Is hope. Faith. Would you like a little bit of scripture? Okay. A little bit of scripture, then we can go home for Mother's Day. Psalm 93, 1 and 2. The Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It will never be removed. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. In other words, God is the eternal one. He's everlasting. Everlasting in the past. Everlasting into the future. He reigns. Is really big. Psalm 97 1. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, and many coastlands be glad. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the earth tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion, He's exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great 
and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Uh, you'll see similar things in, in Psalm 92 and, um, and in Psalm 94 where the, the psalmist is questioning because, you know, hey, God, you, you're supposed to be big and reigning over everything. And if you reign over everything, if you're in control, then how come the wicked are doing this stuff? It's kind of like, hang on, wait a minute. God, you reign. You're over these things. But then he begins to see and to understand that actually in the end, those who are opposing God are going to come to nothing. The enemy is coming down. Yeah? Now, Hebrews picks up on a similar kind of a theme. Hebrews 2 and verse 8, the second half of, of verse 8. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, hey guys, Jesus has been exalted as the king. And everything is being put under his feet, but we don't yet see it in full manifestation. So God... Through Jesus, because of what he established on the cross, he is in the process of putting the enemy under his feet. So, in a sense, the warrant for his arrest has been issued. And it's being served, and the process is going through. But this dude, it's worse than orange overalls. For the, for the enemy. Alright? And so there's, there's this, this situation we find ourselves in as believers. We're in the now and the not yet. Jesus came and he said, the kingdom is among you. But we don't yet see the fullness of the kingdom. It's the now and the not yet. He says it has come now, but it hasn't finally and fully been established. When he comes again, the second coming, that's when the final consummation, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God in all of its fullness and its glory comes into being. It's at his second coming. So we're in this period of the, the not yet. But we guaranteed he will come. So because because God is outside of time, he can tell us what's going to happen, even though we haven't yet got there. Some of you watched a movie a few years ago, uh, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel in India. And a group of retiring people from England, they go off to India, this is obviously BC days, and um, they, they get to this hotel and the brochure's all, you know, been photoshopped. And when they get there, the reality is this is a rundown hotel. And uh, the young guy, Sonny, he's an, he's an optimist and he's trying to, to tell them, listen, this is a work in progress, but stick with me, you know, 
it's, it's going to be okay. And, and there's a quote in the movie. It says, everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, then it's not yet the end. You know, sometimes movies can prophesy. Listen, even a donkey can prophesy. If everything's not yet okay, it just means we're not yet at the end. It's the now and the not yet. We live in that tension. So we know from what God reveals in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. The psalmist said, the Lord reigns. It's a couple of thousand years ago. God gives us a sneak peek into the end. He reigns forever and ever. He reigns. Hallelujah. Verse 16, the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God, they fell on their faces and they worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged and for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. He's going to destroy the destroyers. Isn't that awesome? Yeah? How about Revelation 12, 10? And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down the one who accuses them day and night before our God. This is going, I'll explain this bit of revelation when we, when we do the end times thing. Because the book of Revelation is written in, in a, a number of kind of reiterations. There are a bunch of sevens. And it's first looking at this bunch of sevens. And then it goes back and looks at those bunch of sevens. And then we come back and we look at these sevens. And then we look at those sevens. It's not a chronologically written timeline book. The book of Revelation isn't written. It's apocalyptic language. It's imagery. It's not literal. When you're trying to find literal things in there, you start getting like spooky. Like weird religious nonsense. May the Lord deliver us from that. Because then people think we're a bunch of crazies. Listen, Bill Gates has got bigger things to worry about right now than trying to put a chip into you through the vaccine. Because you're worried about some kind of a mark of the beast. It's not what it's talking about, man. Don't swallow that stuff. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to this. But the kingdom is breaking in. The kingdom is coming. His rule and his reign, bit by bit, is coming. 
You know, the, the media wants to tell us that Christianity is being wiped off the face of the earth. Now, listen, in the USA, things are a little bit uncomfortable. Things are not going so well there. Yes, thousands of churches have unfortunately closed their doors during this COVID time, and that's not great. Many of them were small, struggling, and very religious, and probably pretty dead, to be honest. But the churches that are on fire, vibrant, and going for it are growing. Christianity is at 34% of the world's population. We're talking believers. Not just people who go to church Christmas and Easter. We're talking believers. 34% of the world's population are believers. CNN's not going to tell you that. BBC's not going to tell you that. Or whichever other news broadcaster. Oh, Islam's taking over the world. Only 18%. How about, how about the fact that 250,000 people are turning to Jesus and becoming believers on a daily basis? A quarter of a million people every day around the globe becoming Christians. That's amazing. Yeah. The net birth rate is only just over 200,000. So as I tell you, Christianity is gaining on the world population. We're not a dying religion. We're not a religion, but you know what I mean. Because it's, it's all about relationship. This kingdom is growing. It's expanding. And the enemy is being done in. All right. More verses. He reigns. God is big. God is good. And God's winning. Amen. Let's stand. Can the worship team come? It's always a matter about trust. It's a matter of belief. It's a matter of faith. We're called to be people of faith. True? Okay, let me try these people over here. It's about believing right. When we believe the right things, we're going to order our steps in the right direction. We're going to get to the right destination. When we believe the wrong things, we're going to do some really strange things. If you believe the devil is winning and God is losing, you're going to get into a retreat mentality. You're going to get into an escapist mentality. Instead of understanding from the revelation that came to a guy called Daniel, that there was a kingdom, it was a big rock that came and it smashed all of the systems and the governments of this world. And that rock grew and grew and grew until it became so large that it filled the entire planet. 
And God gives to Daniel, the prophet, he's the same guy who tamed the lions. He's a good rugby player. That guy, Daniel, he says, this is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is going to, it's going to expand. Bigger than the whole world. That's what God said. Now, do you want to believe media or you want to believe what God says? Because we are believers, we want to be believing believers. We want to believe what He says. Now, we do not yet see these things. That's why it's a question of faith. But let's trust the Lord. There might be a third wave. I'd love for us to pray, Lord, let there not be a third wave. Why not? God can do impossible things. Or would you rather just buckle under it? Oh, yeah, no, let's bring on the third wave. No, I'd rather, I'd rather we actually give it a go. Come on. Let's go out swinging. I was with, um, at a function last night. People from out of town were there. They were saying, so how's it, how's it been? And, you know, how you've been coping with all the funerals? By the grace of God, we've not had one COVID funeral. Not one. He's so kind. He's so gracious. He's so merciful. I'm not saying, you know, like, oh, we've got the secret or whatever, or it'll never happen. I'm, not, I'm just saying God has been so kind to us. And the narrative that people want to force on us, well, we don't have to accept it. And, you know, he's giving us some good ammunition to not accept it. Come on, let's pray. Lord, help us to align our hearts and our minds with the truth that you are good that you are big and that you're winning that you're working with us and in us and through us to establish your kingdom that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom it's a victorious kingdom you're causing us to rise up in confidence and faith in hope and trust believing that you are powerful, you're mighty, you're able. So Lord, whatever we're facing, cause faith to surge into our hearts and our minds right now. That even if we are facing financial difficulty, you are able to deliver us from all of our troubles. If we're facing health issues, you are able to release healing. seeing a feather manifest thank you Lord for healing that comes right now we're under the shadow of your wings there's angelic ministry that's taking place right now thank you Lord, thank you, bringing freedom chains are being broken addictions are being broken off people, thank you Jesus thank you Lord, hope is rising the best is yet to come the best is yet to come thank you Lord, thank you you're on the move Thank you, Lord. You're on the move. 
You're on the move. You're on the move. You're shaking things. You're moving things. You're causing things to be turned around. We give you praise. We give you praise. Come on, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him.